welcome again. If you've walked in, welcome to Coastal. If you're a guest with us today, we hope you're especially uh, welcome and feel um, a part of our home here today with us. Uh, we are in week three of uh, our summer series called At the Movies. If you're wondering what the lights are and the marquee and the popcorn, um, uh, basically, let me explain. We're basically using uh, summer movies, some popular movies as a hook, uh, as a springboard then to talk about uh, some spiritual themes that are found in those movies. Uh, two weeks ago, we used the movie X-Men, and we used it to talk about our need for community, that we're better together. And we talked about some of the benefits of joining a life group and what you would receive if you were a part of one. Last week on Father's Day, kind of had a a uh, pretty strong message for men, and we talked about, well, we used the movie Million Dollar Arm to talk about not being a, a typical man. Well, uh, today we're going to use this movie, The Fault in Our Stars. Raise, raise your hand if you've seen this movie, The Fault in Your Stars. See, I kind of figured we'd have a group of girls that have probably seen, seen this movie. Um, my daughter and I went to go see the movie together. Uh, this past week, kind of kind of like a, a daddy-daughter date night, just her and I. And um, as soon as the movie was over and I got home, I watched all of the Godfather movies. And um, I went out to my, my backyard and I, fa- I found and killed and gutted a deer with my own bare hands. And then I put an addition onto our home just so that I could get my man card back after, after watching the movie. No, actually, uh, you know, it's really not, it's not necessarily... Uh, a chick flick, although I was the only guy in the theater um, with my daughter. A bunch of other women were there. They even brought like blankets and boxes of tissue. You know when that happens, uh, you're really in for it. Because it really is, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, I, by the way, we don't give, it's not like a spoiler alert. I'm not going to give all the movies away that we see. But um, if you've not seen the movie, it really is a very, very, sad movie right i mean that is, i mean it's just sad it is it's uh it's like I, when i got home i got to thinking about it. it's kind of like old yeller steel magnolias beaches and terms of endearment with a little touch of schindler's list all to you know just for good measure i mean this thing is sad and uh you know it's one of those somebody said well pastor chris did you cry well it's like i could have if i let myself breathe you know know, like one of those things where you're just watching it waiting to you know lydia was sobbing i mean you could just hear it all throughout the everybody's everybody's weeping um it was fun no anyway um but uh, the reason it's so sad, let me at least I'll tell you this about the movie. The reason it's so sad um, is that it, it's a love story, number one, but it's a love story of these two teenagers who have cancer. And, um, and it's about how everybody involved, uh, how everyone involved handles it, uh, deals with it, copes with their illness. And so the reality is if you go see the movie, if you're a parent, uh, a teenager in love, or uh, or if you've ever had somebody close to you uh, die of cancer, um, wow, make sure you take a box of tissue with you uh, if you go see this movie. And uh, believe it or not, uh, that's what I want us to talk about today. And uh, this is kind of, a, you know, maybe a different message because it's not something that we, we talk about very often. I don't think I've preached on this topic uh, very often in, the, in the, my life here as a pastor. Um, but I want us to talk about what do we do as followers of Jesus when we're faced with, with illness, you know, with disease. 
with sickness? Um, how do we cope? Uh, how, how do we as followers of Jesus respond? Because, you know, one kind of funny part in the movie actually kind of made me angry. The only stereotype in the, in the movie was the, the, the Christian who leads a support group, and he's an actual whack job. I mean, like, this guy is a, is a loser, and, and uh, so it, he's, it's kind of funny the way they stereotype him, and yet it kind of made me angry as a Christian that the only stereotype in the movie is of a, of a follower of Jesus. So I realized that was from her perspective. But, but what, what do we do? And how do we respond? Hopefully we don't respond like that individual. But I want to read to, to start us off from Psalm 41. And I want to give you a little bit of backstory on this psalm that David writes. Evidently, when David writes this psalm, he is very ill. Uh, very, very sick. And so much so that he's actually laid up in bed. And uh, everybody around him, his friends, people who aren't his friends, family, everybody thinks uh, that he's going to die. And they've all pretty much given up on it. And as I read this psalm, first of all, I want you to notice how just kind of brutally honest and conversational David is with God. And that's one thing that we forget, you know, in our own prayer life. You know, sometimes we think that we forget that it's a relationship with the Heavenly Father that he wants. And we can just pour out our heart and be honest with God like David. So that's what he does here in Psalm 41. So follow along. Uh, it's on your screen or in your Bible Psalm 41. David writes, Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them in times of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. And he gives them prosperity and rescues them from their enemies. Now, in other words, David begins this psalm and he basically says, Okay, God, you know, you, there are all these benefits for people who are obedient and follow you. And, uh, you know, you take care of, uh, you protect and keep them alive. You rescue them. And basically he's saying, hey, I, I want that now. I need that. I'm calling out to you. I've honored you. I've been obedient. And so he goes on to say, the Lord nurses them when they're sick and eases their pain and discomfort. Oh, Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. So here we are in Psalm 41. David is basically begging God for healing. And then he goes on to say, but my enemies... Say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. So he, you know, he's saying, man, you know, the people who hate me, they're basically just lying in wait wondering, okay, he's sick, it's bad, when is he finally going to kick the bucket? And then he even says this, they visit me as if they are my friends, but all the while they're just gathering gossip, and when they leave, they spread it everywhere. So again, he's got phony friends, you know, these people who don't care about him, they come in and act like they like him and they're, they're concerned for his well-being. But the truth is they're just there to see how bad it is. And then when they get out there, they're, they're telling everybody that he's going to kick the bucket. So he says, all who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst for, for me. Whatever he has, it's fatal, they say. He will never get out of that bed. So again, man, he's, he's in a bad spot. And then he says, even my best friends, the one I, I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, the one that we've eaten together, you know, he's turned against me. In other words, it's the old saying, with friends like these, what? Who needs enemies? That's basically what David is saying. I mean, he's in a bad spot. He is ill. He's sick. Everybody thinks it's terminal. And even if it's not, they're basically telling everybody, hey, David's bad. He's going to kick the bucket. So 
so he writes this psalm, and you get the idea that he is sick and tired, and he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. And then he goes on to say this, Lord, have mercy on me, make me well again. Can you relate to that? Have you ever been, you know, physically in a place where you're, you're, you just pour out your heart to God, nobody around you seems to understand how difficult and how hard it is and how painful it is, and you, you just find, you're begging God for healing. Now, when it comes to being sick, it is easy to feel helpless. I mean, you, you, you get to that point where you begin to feel like, you know, man, you can't change anything around you. Obviously, you can't change this disease or this sickness, but it seems like everything else is just kind of falling apart around you, and there's nothing that you can do. However, the Bible says that there is something that we can do. There's some things that we need to do, and that's really what I want us to talk about today. What do you do when you're sick? What do you do when you're facing illness or disease? Now, before I get started, here's what I want to do. I want to recognize the four, three or four potential groups of people that are in this room this morning. And, uh, and as I mentioned, describe these different groups of people, I want you to do a little uh, self-diagnosis. By the way, boy, with the internet today, self-diagnosis, that's a dangerous thing. How many of you, when you get sick, first thing you do, WebMD. How many of you do that? Just WebMD. Man, you just go on there, oh my gosh, I am dying. Wow, I've got this, I've got that. And you just like, it builds up in your head. Well, that's a little dangerous. We're not going to do that this morning. But I'm going to describe some groups of people. And I want you to kind of diagnose yourself and see what group you fit in today. Now, potentially, there is a group of people here who today, um, you are listening intently. I mean, your, your pen is clicked, you're locked and loaded, you're paying attention because you are dealing with something. Very, very bad. Um, Life-threatening. A painful, debilitating disease. And you are here this morning and you feel like you need answers and you need them now. That's one group. Another group, uh, maybe you're here today and you are dealing with something. It's chronic, it's painful, it's ongoing, but it's not life-threatening. You know, in the grand scheme of things, you realize you're not going to die from it, but it has limited your quality of life. And you're, you're facing it and dealing with it. That, that's another group. There are others of you who are here today, and you're trying to find something to comfort or encourage a close personal friend or a family member who is dealing with an illness, who is dealing with some sort of disease. And it's hard to watch, and it, it's very difficult to watch them live in pain and, and to suffer. And so you're here to learn maybe what you could do to help them through this. That's the third group. Well, there's another group that's here today, and, you know, the reality is you're not facing an illness. You're not facing a disease. Very thankfully, your health is, is good. 
And, uh, and as you, uh, you know, look at your close personal friends and your family, for some reason right now, nobody in your family is sick or dying. And uh, I know, you know, the temptation would be to kind of check out during this message. But I want to encourage you today, I want to challenge you to listen closely, to take good notes, because, and, and, you know, do not dismiss this message today, no matter what category, what group you find yourself in today, because all of us, everyone in this room at some point, at some time, are going to face some sort of unexpected health issue, either ourselves or our family and friends. So I want you to be prepared when that comes. We say here regularly, we, we are trying to offer help and hope. And so what do we do? How do we respond? Number one, lean on God's power. Lean on God's power. Um, this is probably more of a mindset or an attitude than anything else, but there is nothing like pain or sickness or disease that will absolutely knock you on your backside and remind you that you're not all-powerful, remind you that you've got limitations, especially those of you who have for some time, some period in your life, man, you just feel like, man, I can handle anything, I got my health, nothing, nothing will come and, and knock me on my butt. Now, if there was anybody in the Bible who probably, you know, had the right to kind of feel that way, it was David. I mean, you think about this. We know as a young man, you know, out in the, uh, watching the sheep in the pasture, we know he killed a lion, a bear with his bare hands. Uh, you know, he was the, the great giant slayer, the man after God's own heart, becomes the great mighty king. So if there's anybody who kind of felt like he was, you know, in, in, you know indispensable and, and without, you know, had to worry about anything, it was him. And yet here's what he says in his time of great pain. Psalm 69. I am suffering and in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your what? What are the two words? Your saving power. Don't miss that. Now, just two months ago, together with the world, we celebrated Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead by God's power. The Bible teaches that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us who follow Jesus. That power to help fight off disease, the power to help you stand strong during times of, of pain and suffering. But more than that, listen to me, the Bible teaches that sometimes God allows us to face difficult times, those times when physically, emotionally, we are at our weakest, so that His grace and His power can be at His strongest, so that it can shine through. Now, another great example of this would be the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that at some point in his life, he was afflicted with something that he would refer to as his thorn in the flesh, his thorn in his side, the thorn in his flesh. Now, truthfully, nobody really knows what it is. You can read a bunch of different books, and a lot of the theologians will you know, kind of guess and surmise what it might be, but nobody really knows what it was. It was something, though, that the Apostle Paul, again, great spiritual giant, right? I mean, he wrote m most of the New Testament. Obviously, he knew how to pray. Obviously, he'd seen and experienced miracles, performed miracles, and yet he begs God to take this thing away, and let's see what happens. In fact, 2 Corinthians 12, he says, three different times, I beg the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. 
My power works best in weakness. And then he says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses. In other words, whatever it was that was tormenting him, this affliction, this disease, this illness, whatever it was, God doesn't remove it. And he says, I'm, I'm glad to now boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He says, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Jesus. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. Coastal, that's why we got to lean on God's power in times of weakness. So what are you trying to face today? In your own strength, in your own power. You know, God can still be glorified and can still be powerful even in the disease, in the sickness, in the ailment. You know, maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's a disease. Maybe you've got allergies or migraines or a bad back or a sore knee, something that hurts. Maybe today you're dealing with an addiction or a damaging habit. I want to challenge you today to press into God's power and let him give you the strength that you need. And maybe it's not going to be a healing. Maybe it's not going to be removed. But maybe God's going to shine through you when you're at your weakest. And he'll be glorified. That's key number one. Number two is I've got to live out God's purposes. I've got to live out God's purposes. In parentheses, you might write somewhere, in my illness, in the disease, in the sickness. You know, over the years, um, as a pastor, and this, this Easter, I've been here now for 25 years, I have known a lot of people who have beaten cancer, uh, several people in our church. Now, what do we call that person? We call them a cancer what? What's the word? Survivor. Now, certainly we all understand the sentiment there. I understand what that means. They have, they have survived something that many people do not survive. And I get that. But almost every cancer survivor that I have ever known has been so much more than just a survivor. What I've seen in those people over and over again is this attitude of accomplishing something, allowing God to use their situation to help them make a difference, even if they weren't healed, by the way. In fact, many of them would say that it was during their time of suffering and pain that they discovered God's purpose for them. Their faith began to grow and grow and grow. And, it, and it's amazing how God can open doors during the time of our pain, in the midst of our suffering, to make an impact that you would never have had otherwise. In fact, look what the Bible says about these tough times from James chapter 1. Listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, and again, so he's talking the followers of Jesus. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. Now, what does that mean, by the way? Stop there just for a second. Well, it means, first of all, that troubles are going to come your way. Listen, do not listen to that false teaching today of some televangelists who say, well, if you're a believer, you will never have any sickness or trouble. You should always be healthy, wealthy, and, and never have any problems. Man, that, that's a bunch of crap. That's hogwash. That is not in the Bible. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it 
an opportunity for great what? What's the word? Joy. Oh, my goodness. This sounds like crazy talk. He says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so James says, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. In other words, he's saying you need to understand that these painful times are going to come. And it's during these painful times that your endurance and your faith has a chance to grow. Now, here's the danger, though. Whether you're facing a terminal illness or, listen to this, because this is probably the category that a lot of us find ourselves in. Or you're just, you just got a cold or the flu. It is so easy to miss the opportunities that God places in front of you when you don't feel well. You see, when you're sick, we, we actually, we don't say this out loud, nobody would ever verbalize this, but we almost say, well, I just get to take a pass on having a good attitude when I'm sick. I don't have to act like a follower of Jesus when I'm not feeling well. You see, it's easy to get lost in your own pain or discomfort. Now, let, let's have a little bit of confession time here this morning, okay? Let's all just be honest, you know, how many of you would confess that when you are sick, you are the world's biggest baby and worst patient. Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you are saying your spouse is the biggest baby? Go ahead. No, I'm just teasing. Anyway. But I mean, I mean, you're a whiner, right? I mean, you're a complainer. You don't want to do anything. And you milk it for all it's worth, right? I mean, you just let, oh, you know, woe is me. You know, poor pitiful me. And you're getting things and getting things out of people you could never get out before. Well, when we get that way, we all have a tendency to do that from time to time. It's just so easy to get focused on ourselves that we miss out on what God wants to do through us. And so I guess what I'm saying is the challenge is just because you're sick, just because you don't feel good, and just because you have a disease or an illness, don't check out spiritually. Keep growing through that time. Because God may be using this time to make you into the person that he wants you to be. A little bit more like Jesus. I mean, think about it like this. When are you going to have a better chance, a better opportunity to witness to doctors and nurses, technicians, to make a difference and to be light in somebody's life than possibly in that doctor's office? Or in that hospital. I mean, when's a better place for you to demonstrate a God-honoring attitude? When you're healthy or when you're facing an illness? It's easy when you're healthy. It's easy when things are going well. But my goodness, if you can honor God and have that attitude of joy in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your illness, what, what a testimony. You see, God is just as real in your life when you're struggling, and he can use that in a big way. I might even say more so. I mean, some of you have been to more doctor's appointments, have had more tests run than 10 people have had in their lifetime. And I'm saying maybe God could use that. And when and if that happens to you, you've got a couple of options. I mean, one is you can just kind of put your head down, go about your business, you know, uh, do what you got to do, punch your ticket, and just get out of there. 
Or maybe you could ask God to open your eyes and to see people the way he does and ask him to use you that day. To ask you to ask God to, to give you that chance to be able to share your faith with somebody that you never would have otherwise if you weren't in that situation. Ask God for the opportunity to help lend a, a helping hand, to help somebody else who is struggling. Maybe a fellow patient who's a little bit far behind you, but you're a little bit ahead of them, and you can help point the way. Maybe you'd have a chance to invite somebody to Coastal. I'm just saying, and you might write this down, ask God to use your pain for his purposes. Your pain for his purposes. You know, maybe the problem is we're asking the wrong question. We ask when we're sick, when we're ill, when somebody we know is facing a disease, why? Why am I going through this? Why are they going through this? Why is this happening to me? And we ask that a lot, and I think God's okay with that. His love is big enough to handle that. But I'm saying maybe the right question is this. God, how can you use this? So whether you're here today and you're facing the illness right now or not, i got a challenge for you. This week, listen, no matter what's on your plate, no matter what it is that you're working through, I challenge you to listen to God and to look for God's opportunities. Look for open doors and step through them. And again, maybe you'll have a chance to share your faith. Maybe you'll have a chance to invite somebody to Coastal. Maybe you'll have a chance to be a servant and to love somebody. Just because you're sick, just because you're ill, just because you don't feel well, you don't get a pass. So, lean on God's power. Live out his purposes. Number three, look to God for healing. Look to God for healing. You know, throughout the Bible, we see God as the healer, the great physician. It is, listen, it is a part of his nature. It is who he is. You know, one of the reasons why on your Connect card, we ask you to write down any prayer requests that you have is because we believe that God heals. That's why we, in our life groups, is such an emphasis of sharing prayer requests and praying for one another. Because we believe that God, God did, God does, and he will heal. So that's biblical. In fact, look what James 5 says. Are any of you sick? Right? And this is what he says. Call on the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. For such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Now, there's a lot going on there. In our culture today, we don't necessarily uh, anoint with oil. Now, however, listen to this. All throughout Scripture, oil was a real physical symbol of the power and the presence of God. So that's one, one part of what, what oil represented. But oils were also used, by the way, for medicinal purposes. So there's like a twofold purpose in calling on the elders of the church. In fact, James says, so if you're sick, call on the spiritual leaders of your church, basically is what he's saying. Call on the spiritually mature, have them pray for you, and the Lord will honor your faith and heal the sick. I think most of the people in this room would say, I believe that. You know, you still believe that God is a healer. But I think here's where we mess up. We have a very limited view of how God can heal. Now, I believe that God is God and God can do 
You know, the, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he can do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. And so there's many ways that God can bring about healing. Let me, let me just give you three that I see in Scripture really quickly. The first one is miracle. I mean, just flat-out miracle. Unexplained healing. It's that situation where the doctor comes in and says, you know, kind of scratches his head and just says, you know, I didn't think he was going to make it, but look at this, we can't find. Or, or, uh, or, you know, we just got the test back, and we can't find any trace of cancer. I don't know how it happened. And so that happens. Unexplained miracles. So don't give up. Even if you've, you've tried everything, don't give up, because God still is in the miracle business. Now, the second way is answered prayer. And again, this is why we lift one another up in prayer, so that God will answer those prayers. But sometimes God answers those prayers with a yes. He, he answers our prayer with a yes. Sometimes the answer is wait. Not now, wait. It'll, in a little while, now's not the time. But then other times, and we don't always understand it. The answer is no to our prayer for healing. And I'm going to talk about more about that in just a moment. But there's another one, a third way that God heals. And I don't think we talk about it as much in the church. Uh, medical care. It's almost like we tell people that, you know, well, you, you know, don't, go to, don't worry about the doctor. Don't worry about medicine. You know, if you had enough faith, you'd be healed. Many times we forget to give God the proper credit when he heals through medical care. I mean, we're, we're quick to credit the doctor or the treatment or the procedure or the medicine. But I, here's, here's what I'm saying. We forget that there is a great physician. There is the great healer who's working behind the scenes to, to, to make all that stuff work. He is the great physician, the great healer. In fact, studies have shown that those people who pray and are prayed for have a greater chance of recovery. Listen, God is not anti-medicine. I don't know where people get that from. In fact, Luke, you know, Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, he wrote the book of Acts. He was a doctor. He was a physician by trade. He traveled with the Apostle Paul. You know, the Apostle Paul recommended uh, medical treatment. In fact, here's kind of a, a funny, famous one. 1 Timothy 5, evidently Timothy's got something wrong with his stomach. And so Paul says to him, don't drink only water. You ought to drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach because you're sick so often. I mean, he basically says, Timothy, you're sick all the time. Take some Pepto-Bismol. Now, Pepto's not wine, you know, but that's basically what they would use. Wine was kind of the common medicine at that time, and the idea is just the same. But don't miss the principle. Don't neglect the available medical remedies for your illness. You know, don't hesitate to use all the tools. Our God is the great healer and the great creator. He created it all. He gave that doctor, the, that, that scientist, the mind to discover, to make that discovery. So here's the most important part. However God chooses to bring about a healing, a miracle, an answered prayer, medical care, whatever it is, make sure you give God the credit. Make sure you give God the glory. So, Lean on God's power, live out God's purposes, look to God for healing. And then finally, number four, and as much as I hate to talk about this, you know, some of us are not going to experience physical healing 
in this lifetime. So I must long for a pain-free eternity. Long for a pain-free eternity. You know, this is the part where, um, as a pastor, I start talking about this. In my mind, I start thinking about all the funerals that I've done, all the gravesides I've been at, all the hospital beds I've stood next to. Even if you are not healed in this lifetime, if you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible teaches that you will be healed permanently one day in eternity. And we forget that our current pain, whatever it is, our suffering is is hardly even a blip on the radar screen when you look at the map of eternity. And so the challenge for, for, for those of us who are here and now is to keep everything in perspective. You know, the problem is, is that when we're suffering, when we're in pain or our family member is, we kind of develop tunnel vision. And we just focus in on the disease or on the suffering or on the illness. And for a period of time, that's kind of all we can see. And so the challenge is to zoom out a little bit and to get a bigger perspective on what's going on. And remember, even the most horrible, painful illness or disease is not going to last forever. Cancer is not going to last forever. Alzheimer's not going to last forever. You know, and, and rather than allowing yourself to focus on the size and the scope of your illness or their pain or their suffering, and this is easier said than done, you've got to try to focus on the size of our God and His promise of eternity with Him in heaven. Look what 2 Corinthians 4 says. Our present troubles are small and they're not going to last very long yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and what does he say will last how long forever so and here's what I'm try- here's what I was trying to say we don't look at the troubles that we can see now again get a bigger perspective rather we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now, man, they're soon going to be gone. It's all going to be over. But the things that we cannot see will last how long? Forever. If you are a follower of Jesus, listen to me. Your pain-free tomorrows will always outlast and outnumber your pain-filled yesterdays. You hear that? you follow Jesus, your pain-free tomorrows will always outlast and outnumber your pain-filled todays and yesterdays. And that's a promise straight from God. I love how Revelation 21 sums all this up. And I've read this at more funerals than I could count. 
Listen to this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, sorrow, or crying, or pain. All those things will be gone forever. Man, what an exciting day that's going to be. What a great promise. You know, if you are here today and you're kind of kicking the tires and you've not yet become a follower of Jesus, my question is, why? Look back at your outline just for a second. Do you realize that today you could enlist God's power for whatever it is you face? That you could live for God's purposes, no matter the disease, the sickness, or the pain. That you could have God's healing in your life. And that you could secure a pain-free eternity. Why would you pass on that? All of that and so much more is available to you through Jesus Christ. Not through religion not through church attendance, not through trying to be a good person, through a personal relationship with Jesus. And you could have that starting today. I want to pray. I want to pray for you, for, for those of you who are, find yourself in, in that situation right now. I want to pray for the different groups that are here today, those who are facing pain and sickness and illness, those who have friends or family who are, um, those who are looking for something to share. Maybe those who are facing something that's not life-threatening, but it's chronic, and it's driving you crazy. And the truth is, maybe you've not had that God-honoring attitude in the midst of it. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are the great healer, the great physician. I thank you that ultimately, ultimately, you sent your son Jesus to heal all of our sickness, our pain, our disease, our sin. And that we will experience a pain-free eternity with you forever if we simply will follow your son Jesus and live for him. Listen, if you're here today and you're ready to do that, if you're ready to come home, it doesn't really matter the time or place or the words that you say. It really is just a matter of your heart because that's what God sees. So pour out your heart to him right now and maybe in a prayer say something like this. Dear Heavenly Father, today I want to come home. I've blown it more ways than I can count. I pushed you out of my life. But today I believe love me so much that you are willing to sacrifice your son Jesus. That he came to this earth and he lived a perfect life and that he went to a cross for me. My sin put him on that cross. He died, was buried, but three days later I believe he rose from the dead and he is alive. I feel it, I know it, I believe it. He is right here with me. Today I ask him to come into my life, forgive me. 
I, I turn my back on my former way of life. I repent of that. And for the rest of my days, God, I want to live for you. I want to follow your son, Jesus. And no matter what my situation is, sick or well, pain or suffering or healthy, I want to have an attitude that puts you right at the center of my life, that follows you and lives for you and shares that with the world around us. Father, today I, I pray for those right now who are suffering a life-threatening disease or illness. God, I pray today that they would pour out their heart to you, they would press into your power and, and your strength and not rely on their own strength or power. I pray today, God, that they would uh, look to you for healing, look to you for deliverance, and in spite of what they're going through, that they would rely completely on, on you try to fulfill your purposes in their lives. And God, there's others who are here today who are just suffering, they're just in pain. It's not life-threatening, but it's, it's nagging, it's ongoing. I pray for deliverance. I pray for healing. We're your children. You tell us to ask, so we do. And Father, we're not anointing somebody with oil here right now, but, but your spirit is here. He is present. He is in this room. He heals. And so ask for healing. But Father, more than that, I pray that in the midst of our pains, in the midst of our suffering, even if you don't remove it, that like the Apostle Paul, your grace and your strength would be made powerful in our weakness. So Father, give us the words to share and to say with those who are hurting. And God, God the truth is most of the time, it's not really the words to say, it's just a listening, loving, servant's heart that people need the most. We love you. We pray all these things today in the powerful name of Jesus and by the power and the, the strength of the Holy Spirit.